Greetings, friends. Welcome back to the Film Alchemist Podcast, the show where we look at movies we love, break them apart to find out what makes them magic. I'm your host, Josh Griffey, joined, as always, by my slowly devolving, very gross, uh, sugar-eaten friend and co-host. Alex Dandino. Wait, does that make you Gina Davis in that scenario? Nice. I like that. Oh, hell yeah. Or you? No, I live every day as if I'm Gina Davis. <laughs> <laughs> that's that's a t-shirt for sure. Live every day as if you're Gina Davis. <laughs> I know. Like, every every guy has to have their mantra, right? Vin Diesel's is take life a quarter mile at a time minus live every day like you're Gina Davis. <laughs> oh, that's merch for sure. It just depends on the day which Gina I like to rock out. T-shirt coming <laughs> soon, folks, from Film Alchemist Pod. <laughs> All right, guys, uh, this is the pod's revolting body month. Uh, This is where we have chosen some of our body horror favorites. It's October. We wanted to get scary. This is one of our favorite subgenres. I hope you guys like From Beyond. This is Cronenberg's The Fly remake. If you've never watched the original Fly, you should actually go back and check that out. Definitely. I fucking love it. When I was a little kid, I was always under the impression that the fly was part of the Universal Monsters. Oh, really? So that's what sought. That's what. Yeah, that's why I sought him out. I was young. That's cool. I, I like love that. the Universal Monsters, like one of my all-time favorite series of movies. And I thought the fly was a part of that, so I went to track it down, and I fucking love that movie. The original is awesome. The fly. The original uh, fly not, was the original. Fly not was, as taught. I watched it recently. Yeah, right. The original fly was a movie. <laughs> That I saw at a really young age that my dad made me watch, and since like for a, quite a while, ever like I I thought the the last scene when Vincent Price looks in the spider thing, help me, help me, I fucking just it was terrifying when I was a kid. That shot, but not only that, but the fact that he doesn't help him. Well, in yes. a way, maybe he does, right? But there was also that the. the doctor who had the fly's head so instead of melding into one they pretty much just like cut each other in half right it was kind of a yeah, yeah. an old circus mermaid right you cut a, the head off a fish and you tape a cat head to it and you call it a mermaid <laughs> <laughs> but uh that guy the doctor walking around his office with this giant towel over his head like yeah. he just finished an nfl game slurping his food and all gross is a lot of creepy imagery in that one for yeah. me as a kid definitely had a good um, mean joke this thing one around. Yeah, right. <laughs> this one, Cronenberg's The Fly. Uh, again, this is, to me transcends the theme of the month. This is just one of the best movies I've ever seen in my life. 100%. This is truly one of my favorite horror movies of all time. Like, we've gotten right, some flack so for talking about off. things we love. What are. But. Right. Your initial summary of why you love this movie, especially as body horror. To me. We talked about this in From Beyond, and it rings even truer in The Fly. And this movie is so much more about the devolution of humanity than it is about just, like, the devolution of a human. Like, Seth Brundle goes through, obviously, a huge monumental change physically, but emotionally as well, you realize, like, his pursuit is always for the next, for the other. Like, as he becomes the fly, he realizes... Like, there's a scene in the middle of the movie where he says, no, I now I know it. Like he assumes this is some sort of disease, like essentially, like he keeps talking and referring to it as a disease. Like, well, no, now I know what the disease wants. 
Like that's the kind of thing that's next level shit, especially for a movie like this that could devolve so quickly into just sort of, you know, body horror. Got it. There's some great effects. End of movie. This movie dives a little deeper, drinks deep the primordial ooze of what makes us human and really kind of like makes you dive, like makes you think deeper than you really want to in a movie where a guy's turning into a giant fly. Like it's, <laughs> it's something that really is, it's something that's really amazing. Like it starts off so well too. Like that just, all of it is so much more philosophical than I think most people are prepared for a lot of the time. Yeah, it because this is a again. I like movies that kind of are in this genre lane, right? So this is a kind of genre horror film. the The selling point is the kind of gross effects, the disgusting moments, the puke, the fucking body parts falling off. Right, that's what they sell you on. What you get is this fucking really seemingly infinitely deep well of fucking the big questions of all of humanity <laughs> oh yeah and so i like when a movie is like oh we're going to entertain you you're going to get your fucking puke and your you know dicks falling off and whatever <laughs> right but we gonna make you think we yeah. gonna make you think a bit <laughs> and and what i like about the movie so much is there is this kind this perfect arc of seth brundle right where he starts off as almost this inhuman monster right yeah he, he's exactly the same as his computer because when he's starting his early experiments and he, you know, there's the scene when she, he's like, taste the steak to Gina Davis. Mm -hmm. She's like, well, it tastes artificial, this and that. And he talks about the machine because organic material is more complex, I'm assuming. The machine is interpreting what it thinks it's reading. Right. Right? And that's why it's fake. And so that's how Seth Brundle adjusts, is he tells it how to actually see it. Right. Seth Brundle himself starts the movie presenting himself to Gina Davis right? as he thinks a human man should be. And what he does is he presents himself as this kind of uber douche, right? This ultra aggressive at the thing. Look at me. I'm this great guy. Walks her into his apartment and immediately starts playing piano. I'm like, that's like an all-time douche move. But it's also Every like... Every guy who like plays an instrument thinks that's like a pussy... A pussy melter. That is the like Seth Brundle is just this this artificial douche, right? Uh, artifice of a man, right? And right. then as he he travels through in his more the more he becomes human with Gina Davis, there's this real connection there. Through that humanity causes him the weakness that turns him back into this kind of bestial. For so it it's this kind of strain. It's not even a bell curve. It's more of like a you know, the Loch Ness monster body parts coming out of the ocean. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, I mean, it's it's interesting you put it that way. Like, yeah, he does start the movie very cerebral. Like, he's very much interested in he's very much interested in what it begins as, which is like he starts as this explorer. He's he's, he's created these telepods and he's just trying to teleport like he's trying to get someplace from one thing to another and and you know he has this you know the baboon the baboon scene that whole thing and then finally when it happens with him like that's the crazy like that's the thing that i love though is when he the first time he goes through the pod he goes through and he's like it's purified me like he keeps misinterpreting what the machine is actually doing and that's mm -hmm. something that's really interesting because like you said like He's talking about teaching the machine. Like he's like, I need to teach the machine what it is, not what what it, the machine thinks it is. So reassembling that kind of thing oh on the other God. side. Like I love yeah. that kind of stuff. 
Well, it's funny, too, because I actually forgot. I was thinking about this more and more. Seth Brundle's version of what a grown man who is attractive to women to be is actually worse, right? Because he does the I'll seduce her with the pantyhose teleportation, which is the lamest trick. Oh, no way. He's that's tr- that's like a total almost panty- Nobel Prize winning scientist who sleeps on a fucking futon. How dare you? How dare you? No, Noble. You're not a grown man. No, you're not a grown man who asks a woman of Gina Davis's caliber to fuck on a futon. Einstein slept an hour a night. I'm sure he fucked on a twin bed once or twice. Who cares? It's fine. Yeah, fucked himself. <laughs> it's like, ah, oh, equals me jerking off on my own fucking. That's why his hair looked like that. He was just fucking jerking How off. How fucking dare himself. you? Seth Brundle's a no. visionary, goddammit. You don't fucking sleep on a futon. Seth Brundle also becomes the guy who's, uh, oh, I wear the exact same outfit every day, douche. Right. I actually know someone who does that, and it's my dear friend and guy who's been on the film Alchemist, Sam, <laughs> who told me he does it because the smartest people are like, I can't waste any brain time on what I would have to wear today. I'm like, you cannot be a smart person and also worry that your brain will be derailed by right. picking out matching clothes. <laughs> You're the fucking worst. Seth Br- you know what? I'm r- Seth Brundle should have grabbed the shotgun at the start of the movie. <laughs> I hate this character. <laughs> I think, like, that's the fascination, though, is Seth Brundle does all these things that, at the beginning of the movie, appear human. But you realize, as he devolves more into this fly man, he becomes much more... I mean, his his instincts become much more human altogether. Like, he, like the, his whole notion for the end of the, end of the movie is literally, like, procreation. It's to live on. Like, it's, it's really kind of... It's something kind of beautiful in this really fucked up way. It's really fascinating. Well, it's it's weird because I, I agree with you to a point. I think he gets there, obviously, in the very end, which we'll get to. Right. But I think what happens is he's presenting as this kind of human man. Then through his, you know, trip through the telepods, he thinks he has now finally become what the man is. Right. He's, uh, he's unshackled by the, oh, I'm a scientist and I'm a little shy, whatever. Not to mention all those other terrible fucking, you know, picadillos or whatever. Uh, but what happens is, is he actually, he's becoming human, but in the worst way, right? He He's all of the worst parts of humans. So right. while he's this man of great mind, this fucking inner beast is taking over. Right. Well, and then, and then all the way to the end, it's just gone. Right. He's just all the way gone. And there is this, I must just fucking beast out. Well, what's interesting, too, is after he goes through the pod and he feels like he was he talks about it because, again, the the telepods take on such an interesting sort of metaphor for Seth Brundle himself, because when you're sitting there, like at the very beginning of the movie, they are a scientific apparatus. That's all they are. And then what what is the monkeys? What (laughs) did you say? The monkeys or the telepods? Telepods. No. Okay, I was like. What is he doing to the... By the way, where the fuck's he getting monkeys? If you walk into a grown man's apartment, he has monkeys. A lot of baboons. Actually, Fuck Seth Brundle. I, actually, I read this. <laughs> this is really interesting. Um, the uh, Baboons are really volatile animals. Like, you're not supposed to have them on set. And, um, like, they had, like, insurance issues to the point. And the only two people that the, mon- that the baboons would react with and not, like, try to maul them is the handler and Jeff Goldblum. 
There's the only yeah, two people. Yeah, because even baboons know that he is the best man who's ever right. lived. <laughs> but back to, uh, sorry, back to my point, though. The telepods kind of work as this really fascinating metaphor throughout the movie because it starts as this very innocent endeavor. It's this true endeavor. Like, I want to make the world a better place. And then after Seth Brundle goes through the telepods, they take on a different meaning, which is now they're this, what he interprets as this purification chamber. It's the thing that gets rid of the stuff that makes you essentially you. Because really, when we're all looking at ourselves in the mirror at the end of the day, it's our flaws that make us the people we are. It's not the things that we do great. Things that we do great are fucking boring. It's the fact of the matter is like, oh, I'm not good at this. And my nose is a little bigger than you know the rest of my face, like that kind of thing. Those are the things that are interesting. So what's fascinating is these pods become like this purification chamber. And then finally, after he realizes what's happened, they become this metaphor for total destruction of humanity. And then at the very end, they literally become that when he gets like combined with both of them. That's really kind of like the damning thing of it all. It's really fat. Like I love the tele. I love how the telepods play within the story of themselves. Yeah. Well, to me, the telepod is this perfect symbolism of the struggle between mind and heart, right? So you walk into the telepod, which to me is you you go deep inside of your brain. Right. You come out the other side and, and you think you've lost all these things, right? It could be wrong. Right. Um, I always thought the, te- the telepods in this are kind of funny where it's like, we don't know exactly. Like, what are the rules? If Seth Brundle ate a sandwich and then teleports, does he come out half sandwich? I don't know. <laughs> right? Because there's a sandwich inside of him. So right. It, it's just weird, right? But on a bigger level, yeah, to me, it's it's the mind and the heart, right? So he goes in at this moment of paranoia, right? So this insane scene when he's talking to a baboon about how he just fucking pureed his brother. Right. Right? <laughs> and then he's like drunk. He's like, I'll go through. Right. And to me, in that moment, what he's losing is his paranoia and his his worries and I'm not enough for this woman. You know, can I keep up this facade of the boyfriend? And when he comes out, he's kind of this, he thinks he's this alpha, right? So he thinks he's purified, but really all he's done is he's, he's taken away these kind of shackles that humans always put on themselves. So there's this great, you know, mind to soul kind of battle that happens all throughout the movies. Right. And I think that to me is what the telepod is always getting at. Because he does it more than once. And every time he comes out a little more unshackled to right. those kind of worries and thoughts and, you know, things like that. Right. So to me, it's just it's this perfect little, you know, hey, I'm going to you can't climb a ladder down into your lesser nature. Right. But Cronenberg found this beautiful fucking way to do that for us multiple times. in the movie. <laughs> yeah, I mean, that's what it is, though, like. It's I love I just love the idea of him getting out and feeling pure like that idea is so fascinating to me of like he's like he gets out like for the first time he goes he tells Veronica he's like oh my god like it's not just teleporting it literally it purged me of my impurities like of the things that I am not that the things that I am not like that whole scene where he does like the fucking gymnastics routine and his by the way, super awesome warehouse apartment that like everybody has yeah, ever what wanted. The fuck? Like that, I okay, I would honestly say cool apartment until you look at the summation of evidence, douche apartment. <laughs> douche uh, apartment. I he's just so like it's just a fascinating character and again, and then finally when he finds out what's going on, like that's the thing that is like terrifying 
is he peels the like the just the it's the two fingernails like when the body horror oh, stuff starts god like so fucking gross it's amazing what cronenberg's able to do because cronenberg i don't know if he knew that i had been born and was like i'm going to make some fucked up movie that's going to scare the shit out of a kid in 20 years <laughs> but like all the things that i absolutely hate about like like just injury or anything like that are a part of this movie it's like your fingernails popping off, your teeth falling out, and vomit. Like, all those things in this movie are just fucking disgusting on so many levels. And, but they all serve a purpose. And yes, it's great gross out humor. Like, or not humor, sorry. It's great gross out effects. Like, there's an amazing, there's just amazing stuff going on. But it all serves a greater purpose, which is really the fascinating thing. And I think the thing that makes this movie separate and very different from other body horror films is losing certain things like for instance when he's uh when he asks for a disc he's like give me a disc because there's a it's a voice recognition thing on the computer mm-hmm. he says give me a disc eventually his voice is no longer recognized by the computer and it's at, and then yeah. he bites down on a pencil and all his teeth fall out Ugh. like those are the th- <laughs> oh, like but that's the stuff that i love about this movie is it's not just oh it's gross and it makes like oh it'll make someone cringe in the theater yes it will but it's also the further metaphor, let's further visual metaphor from getting us to Brundlefly. It's getting from Seth Brundle, who Seth Brundle the man, Seth Brundle this pure person, to Seth Brundle this animalistic beast. Like that's the stuff right. I love. Well, there's there's so much interesting in this movie from the technology standpoint, right? Because the other piece of tech that we see a lot, right, that has this kind of it's the opposite effect is the camera, yeah. right? This this documentary. Whereas the telepods act as this part to enter your mind and come out without your worries, right? Like right. how many of us would like to wake up every day and not worry when we see ourselves in the mirror and be like, God, you fucking, you're fat, <laughs> body hair, you know, like what's wrong with you? Right. You know what I mean? Like, imagine if you could just lose all of those kind of self-doubts. Like, right. Of course, we all understand that. And what comes out might be worse, right? Totally. And so that's the effect of the telepod. The camera has the exact opposite effect. The camera in this movie is fascinating to me because it acts as a wall between, not only is Jeff Goldblum using it to present this outward face of who he thinks he is still. Like the scene that strikes me as the best example of this is uh, the eating the donuts. Like I'm going to show the kids how I eat donuts. Right. This is a man who on some level has to know the the traumatic, horrific <laughs> spectacle he's about to record. And I think he's recording it as, you know, we got to detail this for science, as a way to soften the blow to himself. Right. Right? And Gina Davis uses it as a way to allow herself to stay near him. It becomes a shield to her. Right. Um, I think, and that's what's so funny, because it has the opposite effect of the telepods. It's... This is putting the mask back on. Yeah. Right? Now they're just kind of these weird test subjects. And, you know, it's that crazy science concept where particles and atoms react differently when they're observed than not, which yeah. is fucking mind-blowing because how do you know? <laughs> right. You know, how do you know what they're doing when you're not observed? Anyways, that's all big stuff. But every piece of technology in this film, because even the computer does that, right? Yeah. Jeff Goldblum invents this woman voice computer, if I remember right. That becomes this kind of subservient being to him, right? Right. So every piece of tech in the movie is shown as this 
this way to artificially change and dupe yourself and others, which is fucking crazy. Because the telepods think of this, right? The whole movie is about, I have to learn how to teleport humans. If he just learned how to teleport goods, not even food or humans, he would change the entire world. Oh, yeah. They bring that up, too. that's not enough because he needs to fucking change himself. Right. Right? Because he can't fly. Like, that's the big thing is he hates flying. So this is like what inspires him to create the telepods. And I think that's you're hitting the nail on the head, though. Like, that's what's interesting is it's the pursuit, the exploration. It's the thing I love the most about this kind of subgenre of body horror is whenever scientists cross a line, like they go way too far into their pursuits. That's what's interesting about this is it's not a matter of it's the Jurassic Park. It's the Jurassic Park conversation. It's Jeff Goldblum again saying like, your scientists spent so long trying to figure out if they could, they didn't think if they should. Like that's really yeah. kind of what this movie is trying to bark at too, which I really love is the fly is about the dangers of going too deep into yourself. Like diving too deep into your primordial ooze. Like that's what the movie's really about is don't dig so deep because eventually you're going to find the animal and you're not going to like it. Like that's like the thing. I love that part about the movie. I absolutely adore everything about this movie, but the core, <laughs> the core, the core concepts and the philosophy within the film—that's the stuff mm-hmm. I really love. Yeah, well, I mean, again, it's it's the personal change engine, right? Because that's what you talked about. He thinks it's a pure, right? At one point, Goldblum's character Seth says, "I've given myself a chance to flourish," right? Right. Humanity be damned. <laughs> like at the start, Gina Davis even. I don't understand what's happening. And Jeff Goldblum says, uh, what is it? You get it. You just can't handle it. Yeah. That is one of the most telling lines. And that's when she tele- he teleports the fucking pantyhose or whatever. Right. Um, yeah. I, I, I love that. This big minded guy, right? It all boils down to this little tiny thing of his. He just kind of feels inadequate, like even little touches, right? Like Cronenberg adds, he almost won a Nobel Prize. Right. Right. So even in his kind of weird little nerd world, he was just a little off. And then he presents himself as mega douche, you know, guy. So there's this very personal tragedy that is, you know, he created this thing that would change the whole fucking world. And in the end, all it did was make his dick fall. (laughs) Uh, This is something interesting the movie does that, I don't I don't know how or why they chose to do this. I think it obviously helps play out the body horror and kind of drags out the momentum of the story, but I wonder if you think there's more. In the original, right, when they do this splice, half fly, half man goes and half man, half fly go. In this movie, he comes out and the fly has been fully absorbed in his DNA, yet it takes a long time to manifest. Beyond the fact that this becomes this kind of Jekyll and Hyde metaphor, do you think there's another reason they played it this way? Rather than him just coming out already kind of realizing he's changed more. Well, yeah. I mean, I think that's what we've been talking about. It's the slow, it's the devolution. Like, from an effect standpoint, absolutely awesome. Like, you get to do a lot of fun stuff. There's different phases for the character. Like, great, a lot of cool opportunities for a lot of fun visual effects. From a writing perspective, I think what makes it interesting is losing your humanity or 
in the way we're talking about it, maybe gaining the real portion of humanity rather than suppressing it. Like that's what I think from a, a, a philosophical standpoint, from a movie, like a writing standpoint, that's what makes the devolution into a giant house fly really interesting. Like that's what's, and that's what makes it different from the original is obviously you're not going to be able to do those kinds of effects. Like the, I guess you kind of could, but you know, you couldn't do it to this extent as you would in like the fifties. But in the 50s, the idea was much less, to me, about it was it was a creature feature. Like it was much less to me about yeah. like it was less about the exploration of self. Like the thing that Cronenberg and um, I can't remember the other guy's name who wrote the script. Like the thing that Cronenberg and the other guy did was they really buckled in and really like decided to make this movie about Seth Brundle discovering that he is in fact he's not doing anything that no man who has discovered things before has not done before him. Like to me, his, to me, Seth Brundle is this like Seth Brundle is actually this like walking id, like the entire movie. Like that's the crazy thing too, is like, he does have this arc, but at the same time, like he is absolutely 100% doing whatever he wants to do at all times. He is in control of his own destiny altogether. So. Right, and that that's the thing that I find fascinating, right, is because I watched it, and that was my mom's first question, which was, you know, why did it take so long for him to be a fly? And in my mind, it immediately popped, oh, he's has that fly inside of him the whole time. And there there becomes this kind of part of Brundle where you wonder if, if he's self-manifesting some of these outward problems. Right. Right. The moment he transfers, he has all of the fly DNA that he has in the very last shot of the movie. Right. He's not gaining more fly DNA. And so this this slow uh, devolution, as you keep saying, I think there becomes this fun part where by playing it this way, besides just the obvious kind of writing tool aspect of it, there allows this part where Goldblum through his behavior is self manifesting a little bit. Right. Um, like when he goes to the bar right? in one of the craziest scenes in the movie and everyone knows I'm a sucker for arm wrestling. <laughs> like when, when the game of arms big came out o- on AMC, big over the love, top man, big I over love the top pulling. Fan. I love anything where people pull, man. That's what we call it. Pulling. <laughs> but, uh, I just love that scene. There's this, he's hitting on a woman and then I will go show this this strength, right? Rips this man's arm off, gets the girl to go with him, runs her up the stairs in this kind of frantic, frenzied state. Right. And in that moment, he's confronted by Gina Davis. Yeah. And, and he he's forced to kind of realize what he's becoming. The next time we see him, he's more fucking hideous, right? So, right. While, while I get it on a screenwriting level, I like the concept, too, of it almost feels like the more he pushes, just the more it's outwardly presenting. I don't know. Maybe I'm trying to make, like, a very obvious point way too convoluted. I, I don't think you but are. I, mean, I don't know. It was, it was an interesting question to me that no, my mom posed, right? I, mean, and I was like, it's fun. No, you're not wrong, though. Like, I mean, on a deeper level, too, I think. I mean, think about the end of that movie. Like, when he when she pulls his jaw off, he literally erupts into an animal. Like, that's the thing that I, I'm yeah. catching on to what you're saying is, like, yes, I think the fly's inside him the whole time. Like, the animal is inside. This, like, Seth Brundle husk he wears is 
he has no ideas, just like a, a suit. It's when she like kind of pulls his jaw off, and that's like the last bastion right. of humanity he's got. And then literally he explodes into an animal. Yeah, I kind of like the idea of him physically forcing this outward. Yeah, change, I right? liked it too. This kind of almost, you know, terraforming his flesh or fleshiforming, whatever it would be. Right. Um. There's, there's so much fucking awesome shit in this movie, dude. Honestly, I'm. Can I uh, can I can I make a confession of... right real real quick? Yes. I still cannot and I I did it I did it again and I still can't do it. I had to fast forward through the larva thing. I still can't watch that. The one. larva birth? It, oh dude, I I sit with Antissa patient I for that couldn't do it. I got all the way up to when she's on the operating table and then I saw the doctor's eyes I'm like nope 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 and I was, I like went I skipped right over and I'm like why can't you do this you pussy what is wrong with you Watch I'll tell this you that movie. not only do I love that scene I thought of that scene as I was in the room watching <laughs> both of my sons be birthed. <laughs> I was just like man wouldn't that be a fucking trip <laughs> that's what's happening in my brain is like, that what happens that's what's gonna happen falls out of my wife that's what's gonna happen I know it Oh my God, Jesus. Yeah, but that's yeah. like, it's my one confession I have to make is I watched this entire movie, but I did skip the 30 seconds where she birthed a, ba- a baby fly larva. Had to. I'm sorry, guys. It, Yeah. I, that, I mean, I get it. That part's pretty grotesque. There are other parts. To me, the scariest scene in the movie is the medicine cabinet with all of his oh. body parts in it. Because oh. there's the pan through and I was like. Oh my God! Is his dick in that medicine cabinet? Yeah, isn't it right and then there? In the next shot, you realize he's not wearing pants. So I was like, "That's pretty conclusive evidence." I right? think his dick's. In I'm that pretty cabinet. sure that pud is right up front and center too. <laughs> like it's just sitting just there, like, right on the medicine cabinet. Oh, it just made me think, like, oh God, imagine like putting your own body, like them falling off is gross enough, but you throw that shit away. Yeah, you don't want to look. Why are you at the keeping evidence. it? Jesus, that part truly fucking upset me. I mean, the first. Um, the first time you see the vomit drop, that's always one of those things you're like, whoa, hold on. <laughs> oh, that was like that. I remember the first time watching this movie, seeing that I was like, wow, that is truly disgusting. Like, and then, they, the- I mean, there's so many fucking disgusting ass parts. The teeth really fucking bother me a lot. Yep. Um, the throwing up is, is just fucking vulgar. Yeah. Right. Um, I'm trying to think there, you know there's the a thi- great line that Seth has in the movie that I actually wanted to get to um, where he talks to uh, what's her fucking name. He's, he's talking to Gina Davis about tele. He wants to teleport her so bad. Oh yeah. And his actual line is um, you're afraid to be destroyed and recreated. Yeah. Right. This is when he's in his junkie phase. Mm-hmm. He even tells the girl he picks up from the bar. His job is to take things apart and put them back together. Right. Um, what I like about this idea in the movie is that it's not enough for Goldblum to change himself. Right. And he doesn't want to help all of humanity as we've clearly fucking discovered in this movie. I wonder what is the actual character impetus for just wanting to send any woman through. Is this more than just the animal I want to mate? Or is it hard for someone whose lesser qualities are now so exposed to confront that honestly around other humans. I mean, I think it's more of a misery loves company thing. He's not miserable, but whatever the inverse of that saying would be, like awesome people love awesome people. I don't really know. Like, I feel like that's one of those <laughs> things where you're 
I mean, you. I would tell you, but you're not. You're not in the club. You're not in the email chain. So, <laughs> <laughs> whatever. Uh, I think it's one of those things where he's just looking for because she doesn't want to. She's too scared, and he has that. Yeah, like in that same scene, he barks at her, and he's like, "You're jealous. You're jealous that I've done it already." Like that's what it is. He's trying to find someone who, like he says, you don't want to be a part of the dynamic duo. Fine, I'll find someone else. Like that's well, he has that line. It's uh. Catch me if you can, right? I will run and catch me if you can. Right. Obviously, not having the the introspection to realize that they might be, you might be running down, you might be running downhill, sir. <laughs> so, who the fuck's even gonna want to catch you? I love. I think that extra layer, right? Because in again, in the first fly, it's all about an accident happens. The uh, consequences are immediate, right? And how do we fix this, Brundle? thinks he solved it then thinks he's going to die right and then thinks it's perfect again right and in there in the middle he wants to drag someone else into this with him well it's interesting because it all he's almost going through like the stages of grief like it it's interesting because he gets to the bargaining phase where he's literally like well finally figured out the disease i figured out the purpose like that's the kind of crazy thing and then Eventually, right. just careens. Well, it goes from disease to purpose. That's a scary yeah, that's a horrible... in and of itself. Well, and that's that's the... a hopeless man trying to justify now. Is it that scene or the scene after where, like, he? I wrote it down. Like, I love the line he gives, the little bit that where he's where he's talking about being an insect politician, and he's like, "I'm saying, oh, yeah. I'm an insect who dreamt he was a man and loved it, but now the dream is over and the insect insect is awake." I'm like, fuck, that is awesome shit. Like that's the what I love about that line too is he's blaming it on the insect. I know, right? Very clearly, it's a man. (laughs) It's the man. Like that's the coolest thing. There's this fun part where, yeah, because it is this like he wants he seemingly at the start thinks he can help Gina Davis, but really is helping himself. By the end of the movie, he just doesn't care anymore. No, right? Like he's so lonely, he calls her as he thinks he's this bizarre tumorous whatever. By the end of the movie, he wants to capture her so that they can teleport again and she'll take some of his burden off of him. He'll become slightly more human at the cost of her losing humanity. And that is such a fucking perfect visualization for uh, a lot of relationships, all of our interactions with other humans. It's it's this fucking – this movie is this never-ending treadmill of perfect small visual symbols – for the kind of bullshit we do to each other all the fucking time. The insect politician is fucking funny, right? It is. Because he clashes with another insect politician, which is the fucking boss at work. What's that guy's name? This fucking guy who's just fucking nagging uh, Gina Davis the whole movie. Oh. He has that creepy fucking scene when he's in her shower and he's like, I'll keep the fucking key in case I want to come back. It's like, hashtag me too, you motherfucker. You're out of here. There's a line he has at the very beginning. I never caught it before. He's like, when do, like, it was like, when do we get to fuck again? I'm like, dude, what is wrong with you, sir? Yeah, like at nine to five, right? Like his secretary just came in and said, hey, your wife called. Are you going to play golf today? Yeah. He closes the door like, let's fuck. St- no, but then he even backs her into the corner, right? Of Oh, I will put him on this magazine. He's exacerbating this. Yeah. He's the one who is taking her for the abortion, right? To to kill off this link to this kind of whole romance run amok. Right. And I love the concept of him and Jeff Goldblum from from opposite ends of the spectrum, right? They each have their own motive. 
Um, they both think they're being a hero of some kind. Goldblum to a less extent because he kind of admits you're killing the last link to me. That's the last part of me that'll exist, whatnot. Right. Um, and kind of seems like this primal mating urge. But also, I, I think there's a part of him that in that moment is still yearning to have her back. Because she's the last link to when he was human. Right, yeah. So they're both kind of doing these terrible fucking things to try to take her. Yeah. Well, and and it is funny, right? They they clash as insects. And, of course, the yeah. one guy gets his hands vomited off. Well, <laughs> well, no, that's what it is. Like, they're both animals. Like, they're both doing the thing that is, like, the animalistic tendency. I, I love... I love that last scene because it happens so fast too. Like you always kind of think it, I always remember as a kid it being a little more drawn out. And then I watched it this time and I realized like that ending with the telepods and the vomit drop and everything like it happens within a span of like 10 minutes, man. Like it goes so quickly. It is not drawn oh, out. No, no. And that's what's and in this scene with the abortion too, you get this, this great fucking Gina Davis line, which Again, it's it's all these fucking sub layers this movie has, right? Where she says, I'm worried the child could be born normal and then start to change. Right. That's every fucking person, right? Like, it don't even have to change into a fucking brundle fly. Like, we could all just give birth to monsters all the time, man. It's, it's this fucking awesome. Because obviously she's talking about it becoming some kind of larva fly monster. Right. But every parent has to have that thought at some time. I know I did. I always tell Amy, I'm like, as long as they're not serial killers, I'll feel pretty good. <laughs> like, we've done an okay job, right. right? Just in case it's the fucking nurture and not the nature. Like, I'd like to leap that <laughs> hurdle. But it, it just says so fucking much. And the trauma she's willing to inflict yeah. on this possible child of her own. It, it, this movie just... Who we find always... out later is Eric Stoltz. But, you know. Yeah, well, yeah I mean... She probably was making the right choice. <laughs> <laughs> Just kidding, E. Stoltz. We love you, baby. Love you, Stoltz. Uh, no, it's it's a it's it's this movie that while it's attacking you, it's like raptors, right? You think it's coming from the front, but it gets you from the side. Like there's just so much trauma flying about all of these fucking people, right? Um, it, yeah, that's even what Brundle says to her, right? Is is please don't kill me. Like don't even not kill the baby. Don't kill me. Um, and, and it's really just this memory of the last human moment either of them have had. Right. It's it's just a lot. Like there's so much fucking trauma. While on the surface, it's a monster kidnapping a lady, jumping out of windows and fighting and puking and guns. Uh, you know all the best things in life. It's just this fucking story of very small personal trauma and loss of self. And oh yeah. It's it's fucking stunning. This movie is absolutely stunning. It's all right in that last bit, man. When he's like combined with the telepod and he like ekes his way out, this like sad, deformed would be w like willing to be human for just a few more moments. Like he's standing there and he puts his head right up to the shotgun. And we joke about it a lot on the pod, like or on a long box, like that. Kill me, like look. <laughs> Yeah, like there is like some, but there is something so delicate and human in that moment, which is like, it's not even kill me, I'm in pain. It's kill me, I have caused enough pain already. Like what I'm here for and what I'm doing is not going to help anyone. I am too far gone. Like that's. Well, it's, it's the first time he's revealed uh, 
just purely naked, right? Yeah, the entire absolutely. problem is just there. And what is so beautiful about the way the movie plays is to have that shot of a, you know, metal door fly monster grabbing it with its claw. Right. I mean, that could be the height of cheese and just ruin a movie for people, but it's so fucking emotionally true yeah. and heavy and beautiful. And everyone can relate to that. Again, it's it's this arc of coming back to the most human moment. Mm-hmm. And I, I think in a way you're right. It's not just the harm that he's caused, but what he's doing to her. Yeah. Um, and I, I think that's fucking awesome. It's the first time we see like what his obsession with this technology and his own fucking shortcomings has led to. Um, God, it's just, it's fucking awesome, dude. Uh, I was trying to think there's that great moment too. I love the moment when she rips the face off and you said he emerges as the bug. Yeah. The thing we see him do is the bug that I love the most is the claw hitting the fucking start button and throwing her in the pod. Love it. Cause that, that is the moment there is no more humanity left in this man. Yeah. So to put that moment juxtaposed right before we see him come out again. And that's, I mean, I guess people would argue, right? Is this a monster just seeking relief or has somehow he regained a moment of humanity to me i've always seen that as an insanely humanistic moment the this punch- mercy this passion oh the punching the button the, the shotgun oh the, the shotgun? shotgun no because oh, the no. other is just clearly that's the insect politics yeah. he's talking about no i will use you to be uh, a more functioning better breeding monster whatever the shotgun the moment with the gun is it i realize i failed and i'm in pain or is it is it more human than that? I think Does he actually have this sense of loss and reconciliation and reflection on this journey. I think there's a superficial layer of, yes, it is like I'm in too much pain. Just put me out of my misery. But I really do think, and I was thinking about this when I was watching it is there is a deeper level there. There is this thing is like, look what I've done. Look what this, these machines that I've built, look what they have caused. Like nothing good will come from this. Like, I'm the only one who can make this work. So do the right thing and like release me from my mortal shackles. Like I, I need to be, I need to be not part of this anymore. Like there's something very beautiful and very tender and like deeply human about saying I must sacrifice what I think is a great brain. Like I must sacrifice my, I must sacrifice this exploration into self because I have gone too far. There's something very human and beautiful about that. I mean, it's also, yeah, it could be him releasing her from the burden of the child and sure. the possible uh, mutations. And I mean, it just, again, it's such a fucking deep pool of tragedy and emotion that it's not just a simple 2D no. kind kind of exploration. And that's what I think makes this movie stand out. I love the ending of this as compared to the original. Not not like it's so much better. I like the inversion of it though, man. I, I like too. that in the original, it's the fly body with the human head in mind. Right. So in the first one, it's this, oh my God, I'm being destroyed by the nature, right? Like I went too far with science and now nature is taking me back, right? right. Like the meat will be returned to the, the weeds, <laughs> right, as right. it were. Right, is this spider's coming and, and it's one of the most iconic moments in any film of my life. Help me. Yeah. Help, help me. me. 
Ugh. And it's it's fucking beautiful. It's a beautiful ending to a journey of science run amok, right? right. Is you wanted to do this, you want and in the original he's not as it's not as personal a journey with the teleporter, right? No. It feels more like he's this captain of industry science. Right. And then he is just bitten by again, med- maybe meddling with forces he shouldn't have, right? Sure. He's he's so into the science that he carelessly forgets nature, right? In the form of a tiny fly. This one more personal. Um, he is destroyed by the technology, the artificial. That is what's and yeah, in the first one he's smashed by a fucking brick, if I remember right. So you can <laughs> yeah. say the same fucking thing. But in this one, <laughs> I like seeing that the fucking fly melded with metal. Yeah. Well, it's it's a fucking beautiful because that's the thing. I don't think these movies fight and you have to kill one to love the other. No, not at I all. I think they're fucking fun as a double feature because it is this through science we fucking can destroy ourselves and uh, you know create these abominations. There, there is a nature versus science battle in both that is is shown in very different ways, but to great effect. Right. No, I agree. I think that it's. Um the melding of the melding of his sciences into one horrible final look is the thing that really is troubling and the thing that really sticks with you walking out of the theater ending your movie on Netflix whatever however you decide to watch it yeah well i guess that's yeah, i mean what you said is probably best right in the first one it's it's the nature in him uh that are now being taken back by spider whatever that's that's more nature right right this one, at the end, there is no Seth left at all except for that moment. Mm-hmm. And it is just nature and science. Yeah. Right? It's the, and between the two, the man was smashed. There's yeah. nothing left. There's nothing left of Seth other than it's – there's nothing left of Seth Brundle except for literally like that hand is the last thing of that is Seth Brundle. Him holding a shotgun up to his head saying, please put me out of your misery. That's what I think is the most human aspect of the entire movie. What I think is great is that every audience member watching, you can project your own fucking deep well of trauma and pain. And uh, everyone fucking grapples, man, with how we see ourselves and how other people see us and our accomplishments and our our weaknesses. That's all something we have inside. And very few of us have a direct fucking line from our brain to our hearts, man. So we can't telepod back and forth and cleanse ourselves or mutate. Like we mostly just sit here and stew in it. Right. Um, so this movie has a lot of catharsis because you can fucking throw your shit up on the screen and go on that journey. Um, Goldblum is fucking phenomenal in this movie. Absolutely. Wonderful. Not only just because he has the biggest eyes in this movie I've ever seen of him. <laughs> Huge fucking bug eyes, man. He had bug DNA before that shit went. Down. <laughs> uh, he's just fucking great, man. And he's so fucking fun to follow on the journey. Yeah. The effects are fucking amazing. It's, I mean, I don't know what else to say. To me, it is just a fucking awesome, flawless movie, man. That is not only, and that's what I mean. Any movie that can hit you on your fucking lizard brain or your fly brain, as it were, with the kind of gross out and this and that, and still fucking give you so much to think about and emote with, it's it's fucking magic. That's what we talk about on the yeah. show. The alchemy of that fly grabbing that gun. How do we take that seriously as an audience? Because so many fucking other ingredients are in there and it became this fucking hodgepodge, right? Like, when I watched it, I was like, well, he got in the telepod when he was drunk. Does that mean when he teleports across, he will be drunk forever because <laughs> alcohol is bonded with his soul? Right. I don't care. You know what I mean? I mean, it's I throw just... that aside and I go on an emotional Willy Wonka journey yeah. through those pods. 
quick question. What is your favorite phase of Brundlefly? What's your favorite look? My favorite look? My favorite segment of him trans... Because I had a moment where I was like, oh my god, he's such a douche and now he's awesome at sex. They're turning him into Sting. (laughs) 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 But, uh... No, I, I personally... I like the arm wrestling phase. Yeah. But my favorite... Like my favorite effect of his body changing, I'm gonna go with. Oh God, it's hard not to say the puke. Yeah, because the medicine cabinet's already a thing. We don't see that. Mm-hmm. Um, I I think the teeth falling out is the nastiest shit to me. Yeah, I I would like actually actual his body morphing. That is fucking disgusting. To me. I would actually go with the vomit drop because immediately after he does that, his ear falls off. And I'm like, oh, that's right. Yeah. That's the part when I was a kid, I was like, oh my God, can that happen? Can your shit just fall off like that? <laughs> like there is. Some... Yeah, I didn't even. That's the thing. I didn't realize until this viewing that, oh, his dick is in that medicine cabinet. Oh, that for sure. Really worrisome to me. <laughs> uh, but that's that's what I mean, man. It's it's a great, it's an all-time great body horror, if not the best, because it's the body, the heart, the mind. Um, there's no form and even Gina Davis, right, being caught between these fucking monsters. So she loses some control of self. Right. Uh, you know, the fat arm wrestling guy, the girlfriend in the book. Every character is facing physical traumas. So while it's always fun to see the outward mutations in this and that, the fucking the the small micro body tragedies in these are fucking great too. There the th- um it's awesome. There's another thing about this movie that I think is Again, it's the alchemy of what's great is this movie also has deleted scenes or scenes that were never filmed or at least scripted. No, it's all deleted scenes. These This movie has deleted scenes that are almost as famous as the movie itself. There's the monkey cat scene, <laughs> which was shown during preview screenings where basically he like combines a monkey and a cat into one <laughs> animal. And then as he's like halfway in through the fly, he beats the shit out of it with a lead pipe and kills it. And that apparently did not like of all the things that happened in this movie, people saw him do that apparently in previous screenings and had absolutely no sympathy for him through the end of the movie. And like, I realize we, we all like animals more than other right. People. Exactly. That's a really fascinating <laughs> thing. This guy's literally turning into one and we're like, whoa, 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 whoa. Hang on. If you're going to beat the shit out of that animal, that is very uncool. The other one though, that I really wish had been in the movie. And I think is just, it's obviously too much, but it's fucking rad is, um, he is uh, on a, he's on like a, I think he's scaling a wall and he falls onto a drain pipe and he has this big appendage. You can see it in the movie when he's crawling on the walls. He's like, Oh, what's that? And he pulls his, uh, he pulls his uh, shirt up. He says, I don't know that in the movie, he falls down and it explodes open and it's a big fly leg and a, oh, nice. And he ends up having to amputate it. Like that is <laughs> like that is obviously way too much and I'm glad that's not in the movie, but fuck, dude. Like there is shit in this that wasn't in this movie that lives on that is just incredible filmmaking from an uh Yeah. Legis- like from any sort of effects perspective, just super cool. <laughs> I always love stuff like that, right? Because you're like, I wouldn't add or take anything away. Right, from this yeah. Man. I think it's like a, a fucking perfect streamlined message mm-hmm. of self destruction, right? But you know, like Exorcist has that the fucking crab walking down the stairs. And shit. <laughs> right. Yeah, exactly. Uh, I love that stuff, man. To me, it's great. Like, I love knowing that they just were so good that there were great, amazing, memorable moments that just couldn't even be shown. Right. Love it. 
Uh, yeah, guys, I hope you like the fly as much as us. Bring someone, hopefully, to your non-douche apartment. <laughs> wear different clothes. Don't fucking play piano immediately. But definitely Come fuck on. on a futon. Fucking futon fucking's cool. No, you fuck maybe that girl from the bar on a futon. You don't fuck class like Gina Not Davis. Not Gina Davis. What's you don't fuck class on a futon. Everyone knows that. Everyone knows. You Remember, live every day, live every like, day you like you are Gina, Gina Davis. Davis. Yeah. That's a t-shirt for don't sure. You, you don't fuck Gina on a futon. You get a bed. A bed. Any bed company that wants to sponsor us, it's a great moment. I'll explain. <laughs> yes. Tempur-Pedic. Yeah, we love so that stuff. Share the fly with your friends, then share the show, guys. That's the best way to spread the word of the alchemist, we think. Uh, still time to get your pick in for body horror film that you'd like to see us add to the list. Hellraiser, a front runner. Let's see what else we got. Um, we have more movies that scared the hell out of us when we were kids. The Omen oh, coming yes. up. An old Dandino scare fest. Oh, God, it's so Serpent good. and the Rainbow. Yes. Voodoo whore. Voodoo claustrophobic whore that scared the fuck out of me as a kid. Candyman. Monster in the Closet. We're going to the theaters to see the new Halloween. So much fucking fun, scary stuff coming up this month, Shit's guys. Shit's getting real. We're working hard for you. So the more you can help us by sharing, rating, subscribing, giving a personal uh, what up to a friend about us, guys. We appreciate it all. Please. Um, but more than anything, man, we appreciate getting to watch The Fly. What a fucking gem. Fucking love that movie. We'll see you next time, guys. Peace, bitches. Peace. <laughs>